was not. That was not an E flat, folks. I think we just go. I, wait, again? Yeah. Hey, everybody. Thanks for uh, letting us do take two on that one. That was epic fail. We did okay, not. we're just going to get right to it because we... <laughs> no, okay, Jack, let's not make the intro the same temperature we do every time. Because we normally go like, hey, guys, we're in the second week of school. And, uh, okay, let's, let's go. What do you got? What's new? Um, what is new is we are in the... We're rolling. We're rolling in school. We are. We're doing it. It this feels is, like it's school. It is. It's school. We are schooling. And one of the, you know, variables about the beginning of the year is scheduling changes. Yep. Which always happens because kids end up, they need to be in a different class, and it's not really anyone's fault. It's just kind of the way the, the dice rolled on, um, in that moment. And kids get shuffled around. Part of it's like class sizes, make sure those are even, making sure teachers have the right section of kids, whether it's honors, AP, whatever. Um, so you and I both seem like an influx mm-hmm. of new. Mm-hmm. I teach piano, and I've had, um, since school started, three new students, all in the same class. All in the same one. Yeah, all in the same class. I In my uh, adult roles class, I think I've had five or six in and out. Okay. So. And, so our, and our band rosters have been adjusted. We're good. Right? We're, we're okay. We're cooking. Um, but it's always interesting to see those kids, and I feel for those kids. Coming in late. Coming in late, because they don't know what they're doing. Like, if you're there on the first day of school that's kind of when the teacher sets the temperature that's when the teacher takes time and gets to know every kid probably does some sort of icebreaker activity that's probably meaningful to the content and the kids kind of get right. an understanding yeah. of the temperature those those kids almost feel like it almost feels like those new kids are the new kids for the rest of the semester yeah even though it's day two right. out of one uh yeah 180 yeah that's true so it's interesting to see how those kids kind of fit into the vibe or, or don't. But you're right. That is that is kind of strange. Um, so, Steve, this week, what are we talking about? We're going to talk about the concept, Jack Hinkle. We're going to talk about the concept of the best teachers have the best kids. I have a couple thoughts on this one. Go ahead. I don't want to lose them. Is that okay? I just kind of I asked you and then I hijacked it. No, that's that's good. I apologize. Um, makes me think of a former teacher at the high school um, that that retired long ago. Taught not that long ago. Not that long. Oh, you know where I'm going. Pandemic. With this. Was it really? Mm-hmm. Okay, but she was an English <laughs> She's teacher. Like, I'm out of here. <laughs> She's like <laughs> stock low sell. <laughs> um, she she was a teacher that was. I had her when I was in high school, and she was a phenomenal English teacher. And she always had the best kids, right? She had the best kids in her class. She taught AP, she taught honors, but she also taught regular. Mm-hmm. And and you probably knew her better than I did since you worked with her. Mm-hmm. Um, did she say that she had the best kids? No, but she talked like she did all the time. All she the talked time. like her. she was like fascinated by her students and she enjoyed her students and she was puzzled in a good way by them and entertained by them and she loved them and then um it was always with like a sense of grace and a sense of love and a sense of happiness that she thought she talked affectionately about her students and i think she cultured that that culture grew into her classroom and then i think if you were a student of that teacher you felt like you were a good student you felt like you were one of the best because you were in her class. Do you think she was making that up? Like, was that fabricated or was that authentic? I think that was uh, authentic. And I think that she believed in her heart that she, that the side that she was able to, or the, the relationship that she had with those students, she really did believe that. So that must have been that she was pulling something out of them that she saw that made them really attractive all of them really attractive and maybe the same student to the teacher next period or two periods later wasn't didn't seem as attractive to their teachers because it was the same student but the teacher didn't choose to look at those gifts and those talents and those unique that uniqueness of that student 
So this teacher had a knack for looking at the quote correct angle of the student, right? Like see, saw, choose to see them. They chose to see them in the right light, in the beautiful light. That's the way they chose to see their student. So then if you have like a room of 25 of the best students in the school and you communicated that in an indirect way, I don't think that student, that teacher said, I have the best kids, but they, the way they approach their students, imagine the kind of emotional, um, up, uplifting emotional response that that class has. Yeah, if it's, if it's an authentic praise, then it's very meaningful. Right. And that teacher was capable of giving that authentic praise, and the kids bought it. And again, it's not, it never felt inauthentic it never felt cheesy or cheap it was true and it seemed like that teacher got the results because of that yes or at least due to that partly right. and they they seem to have that really great um, connection with the students but then also that teacher was known for helping the students really achieve like their writing skills yeah. and their responses on essays and the AP test and students that um, would do senior speeches and they would be like in tears in this English classroom so the the vulnerability and the the security that those kids had and that loyalty they had to that classroom and to the teacher and to each other for um, one period of the day was pretty exceptional it's true okay that's the end of the thanks, podcast thank you, <laughs> thank you for listening so so the best teachers have the best kids right which Let's flip that. Let's get to the. I was just line. thinking that too. The, the worst teachers have <laughs> the, the worst, worst kids, okay. and and so if there's the teacher is listening out here, you're going, oh no, oh no, and I think that's, I think that's a really good statement to chew on as a teacher, and that teacher that we're talking of, at Concord High School in the English department, had that run for a long time, and that was just the way it was, like. Whenever you heard the water cooler talk of that teacher, it was never undercutting a student or second guessing or bad mouthing a student or yeah, budding a student. Yeah, they're fine, but yeah, but they got, you know, this happened to them. You know, they took all of them with big arms and they chose to bring in the best sides or choose to um, acknowledge the best in all their students. And then. <laughs> I think that was always funny to, to hear teachers talk and I'm sure you and I have done the same thing maybe not um, maybe we've done it to each other but like you you are talking about a student about certain things that's going on and maybe you hear somebody else talk about a student and you're like that is not my experience at all with that student. right right yeah right yeah. and it's like what are you doing that is making that kid do that and I think it works both ways like certainly sure. we've been we've under um What's the word? Like undersold. Undersold the students, right? And then other teachers have been like, they're incredible. Or or we've praised students and had a high outlook on them. And then people have been like, I can't believe you like that. You know, like that. That's a very simplistic view. But just, you know, it's all about perspective, right? In appreciation of who's actually in front of you and the the um, expectations. What What do you... What do you expect from that student? And regardless of what you know, what do you expect? Here's a good one for you. Okay. I have not told you this story. Because <gasps> it, it was a long time ago. This was when I was a junior in college. I was doing an internship at an elementary music school. Elementary school doing music. I was working with a cooperating teacher. He was a rock star. He was great. And whenever he talked to his kids, and this was like, he, I was with him for like the younger grades, like K-4, mm -hmm. I think. He would bring them up close and they'd all sit on the floor because elementary kids do that. He'd sit on his chair and he would talk to them about this volume of it. It was just so quiet. And so I went up to him and asked him afterward. I was like, why are you so quiet with kids? Like, we've always been taught, like, you know, be a little more demonstrative. He's like, well, they can't talk to each other if they can't hear me. They got to hear me. Got to be quiet so they can hear me. And I was like, this guy, this guy's a genius. So for one of the first things he had me do, as like an interning teacher. He said, okay, Jack, you're gonna take this group of like seven kids 
and we're on our recorder unit, so they're learning how to play the recorder. So you're going to take them into that back room over there, and you're just going to work with them on this song. These kids are kind of a little more difficult to manage, um, so, so do your best. And I was like, for real? Like, you're giving me this? And I go in there, and I work with them, and it was all chaos. And that was like my first time like working with like kids in a in a school setting as a college student and so i i don't remember how it went but i just know it wasn't good i don't remember anything specific so he and i debriefed afterwards and he was like so how'd it go and i told him i was like dude they were rough it was a struggle he goes you know i actually kind of set you up i gave you like really good kids i just wanted to see if your perspective would he change. did that to you i think he did well, don't say that didn't happen. That's a great story. I think he did. I think he was like punking, not punking me, but just like trying to see if I treated it differently. What great. The, I think I. Isn't that kind of wild? That is great. And that like what a what a, what a way to get get me involved as like a twenty year old like working with kids for the first time, just like throwing me in. Like you, you gotta keep your perspective in the right place. Like wow, that's that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, again, he was a rock star, and a I little, learned a lot little, from him. A little evil, but, but just, I mean, obviously that wasn't that was safe for you in a small group, and that wasn't like an extended time, and you sure, can't like it was diminish safe. these kids, you know, and like hold them back. But he kind of did a mind trick on you, yes, because it was about you and your expectations, right? Right, and he probably knew like these kids wouldn't be a liability, and just like like let them let them be in his little laboratory, see what's going on. So that was that was really fascinating for like one of the first experiences I had with kids, and let me tell you, elementary did not go well for me. Yeah, <laughs> not not my jam. I was I was not great at that. Elementary school recorder. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm sure I'd be a lot better now, but twenty year old. Are you saying Jack, that sarcastically, or do you? No, think I think I would. I think I'd be a lot better. You ever want to do that? Hmm. For a day, maybe a week. That's like, that's a vacation. That's not a. That's not a home. Yeah. So that was one. That's just one experience that came to my head because <laughs> I. I was just like, oh my gosh, that that's like that's totally different. Um. You got one. You got anything? Okay, I thought of this. This is this is not really in. Maybe this is a parallel, but it just it is about perspective. Is that one time I, I came back as a college student back to Concord, and one of the directors that was here at Concord, it was like right before Christmas break. Why was I here? What was I doing? I must I just came back to observe or something, okay. right? And or hanging out doing something. And so this student, this teacher had one of the bands, 60, 70 kids, and it happened to be that that band that that time it was the top band the some what we called the symphonic band and it was just before christmas right oh i know why it was because i was a teacher in kentucky okay so i think i had come back to indiana for the holidays oh, okay and our and our um breaks overlapped so i was able to come to concord and hang out for a couple days right so it was the last couple days before christmas break and the the teacher that was in there, uh, a friend of mine, was talking to the symphonic band, and um, she was up in the front of the room and just started talking, right? And the 60 or 70 kids did not shut up. They were just talking, blabbing. Like, and she goes, no, no, seriously, I want you to listen, guys. I want you to listen. And they just kept talking. And they were like leaning back in their chairs, and they were like talking, and and she was like, guys, I no, come on, I really need you to talk. I really need you to be quiet. And they're just like talking, right? Not paying attention to her at all. And I so first year Steve Peterson was thinking, Wow, I I I'm doing pretty good because my kids <laughs> I my kids listen to me when I talk. And she goes, Okay, Ben, stop. I was just kidding. And they got stone cold quiet. They were punking me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh and and, and you're then, like oh i got nothing i got me. nothing i think she just basically said stop and it went and she goes we're just kidding and i go that's a knee slapper <laughs> you know thinking that 
and I was like, okay, you're not that cool, Steve, <laughs> because they were wow. they were pretending that they weren't paying attention. They that's that's next level. You're so good at paying attention, you can pretend that you're not. You and that. your students, you as a teacher, you can tell your kids to act like you're not paying attention. You know, it's, it's fascinating. Um, so, um, so I guess the the trick is like. We're not the trick. I maybe is this something that we learn to look on the the best side of humanity? Is it something that, or is it something that we acquire? Is it is it nurtured or natured? Must be, you know. Here's what here's what I thought about okay. my teaching. I've always thought, as I've gotten older as a teacher, it's so much easier to look at teaching or teachers and say. I would not do it that way yeah. than it is to go, wow, that's a really good way to do that. Yeah. I don't know if you feel that way. Yes. It's so much easier to say, don't do that, than to say, oh, I should be doing that. When you watch other teachers. When I watch other teachers. So when I when I was a younger teacher, I had a really hard time understanding why things are better that other people are doing and what I was doing was bad. I had a really hard time kind of looking above and looking ahead and saying, You oh, were that's saying, good. at least I'm not doing that. Right, but so the better I got as a teacher, it was easier to look backwards and go, oh, I see why I shouldn't be doing this. I see why this isn't working. It, it's kind of like you're, you're going up a ladder, but you can only look back. I've always felt that way. I don't know if I'm the only one, but I feel like it's really difficult as a teacher to look at other teachers and observe and say, oh, that's why that works, that's why that's good, if you're a young teacher. I don't know why, I mean, so you're not. Do you consider yourself a young teacher? So uh, are you still looking back, or are you looking ahead? Are you looking up? I try and do both. I don't feel as young anymore. True. Then, but you look. But there's teachers that you look at. I know you look at and go, "Wow, they got this going on." Yes. So you look up. So the and the longer you're teaching, the easier it is to look up. Like the easier it is to say, "Oh, I can see." Why so that's you're working. saying early on, early it's on, to look down and say, "At least I'm not." doing that and I, it's not as much that I was doing that more it's that it, I think early on it's really hard to see why other teachers are more effective it's hard to synthesize it's the probably why. hard to see the mastery yes yes that they a, a, a seasoned teacher um, commands or um, presents every day like how um, talented yes and what kind of experience led to that moment when you start out teaching you're so selfish and by selfish I mean you're focused on yourself you're pretty self-conscious. You're worried you're not doing the right thing. You're worried you said something incorrectly. You're you're just, I always felt that way. I always felt worried, like I wasn't doing something right. And I'm so focused on myself. But the more you teach, the more you're focused on the room, the more you're focused on the kids and how you're relaying that information. Okay. So, takes me back to, to my, my student teaching days. And I have told you about this wonderful thing that was called rock and roll history class jack black dude i wish i was jack black i still wish i was jack black i watched that over the summer school of rock yeah i wish we could watch it in school we can't it, but it, there's some couple yeah there's but there's some episodes that would be totally appropriate to watch in class i asked my college professor if i could turn in that dvd for my philosophy of ed she said no <laughs> <laughs> but it's true i mean there's so much good going on and that's a perfect example of best teachers have the best kids <laughs> yeah. Right, Jack Black School of Rock. Jack Black School of Rock. He's a substitute teacher, hard, hard luck, rock star, wanting to be rock star, Hor wanting to be substitute teacher. Wanting he's, to be, but he just needs to make some money. He just needs cash. And he's he's uh, not making his rent. He's making everybody mad. He's kind of like this sloppy kind of character. And Pretends to be his brother, who is, or his friend, friend who is a sub, who, who is has a sub. license. And he gets, he gets he on the call back list. Back in the day to be a sub. Yeah, he gets on the call list, yeah. and he comes in there with a tweed coat on, but he's like a, <laughs> he's a rocker. Right. And he doesn't know anything what he's doing, but he loves rock music. And so it's a wonderful journey about how he uses his strengths to connect with these kids, and he loves these kids. And, and it's a beautiful journey for the kids who were like in this private school and like that movie made it very, out to be very like um, strict. Yes. And these kids are just like robots essentially doing school, but he takes out the best of them through his love for rock music and gets them playing. And yes, it's very Hollywood, very Hallmark, yeah. but 
there is something to that that he that he got the best out of his kids. Yeah. Okay, rock and roll history. Yeah. Uh, this was the what I student taught um, when I was student teaching at a high school, and this is when the school for the first year went one to one with iPads. The plot twist was they put on zero restrictive anything on those iPads, so the kids could have that device in front of them and do anything that an iPad could do. And they got a 21-year-old student teacher doing rock and roll history for the first time. What could go wrong? Exactly. Um, that class did not go well for me. Now, I think if I taught that knowing what I do now, I could do it. And I was convinced I had the worst kids in that class. I was like, man, these aren't these aren't the fan kids. I'm just getting like whoever from this school. And like now, I'm like, no way. Every kids are kids, man. Kids are kids. We've got good kids in every class we teach. And I just had this like negative outlook and I had no clue what I was doing. I remember <laughs> this is a good one. <laughs> I remember I had this kid. Um, he, he kept asking to go to the bathroom and and I was taught like that's you just say no, like that's a sign of boredom. That's just they're just trying to get out. Class was for forty five minutes, so I said no. And then like ten minutes later he's like talking to the kid next to him. I was like, Great, he's bored. And I was like, Hey man, pay attention. And he goes, Hard to pay attention when you have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I was like, touche. Wow. Okay. And then I don't, what? I think I just was like, <laughs> like I just sighed and just like moved on. I mean, because he's right. I mean, I would, I would have not put myself in that position to get kind of like thrown down on like that. Now I'm, I'm not, I'm smarter than that now. But that was just something I was like, man, these kids are the worst kids. But in reality, I was just a bad teacher. Yeah. I wasn't keeping them engaged. I wasn't moving things correctly. And that kid just threw down a one-liner. You don't me. need bladder control when you have a good teacher. Wow, put that one on the reels. <laughs> well, hot take. <laughs> or you you need to be teaching marching band because the marching band restroom <laughs> breaks go way down yeah. when the kids you have just to keep go your bathroom a mile four, from the school. It's a four-minute walk inside. Kids don't usually want to go. That's true. Marching. When you ask kids, they come up to you. Can I go to the bathroom? And they're you're like, do you really? And they go look at the school. They look back. And you're at like, you, is that door open? No. The one on the other side of campus is open. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll hold it. Okay, you're right. So what was the um, what was the completion of that? Or the was there a the moral of the story? Jack Hinkle wins Rock and Roll Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Teacher Award. Mm, no, it was pretty bad. It was pretty so bad. You had the worst kids. I had the worst kids. There, it was just bad. It was bad because I did not have an understanding for how to teach a curricular class. I was used to teaching notes and rhythm. I did not have an idea of classroom management. Um, I worked really hard to build relationships, but I didn't work hard enough. And the one kind of shining light was like one kid like wrote me a note at the end and said I was like the best teacher he ever had. So there was like, I mean, for a student teacher to get that, like I was like, okay, there one one little ray of sunshine in this uh, storm, but again, I mean, that was all that was all me. Like having the bad the bad classroom environment, that was all me because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I think um, teachers out there all have been in that some kind of setting where you're just like, oh my gosh, like what am I into? And then when you don't feel comfortable, it's kind of hard to it's hard to be yourself, so it's hard to be authentic. And then it's kind of hard to love, let alone like. Yes. When you're not feeling real good and not feeling real safe and feeling anxious. I, I wish I would have had somebody tell me earlier on, you have to teach like yourself. You can't teach like you've seen your best and favorite teachers teach. Mm. And I understand that now, but the cooperating teachers I had while they were good it wasn't, it wasn't me. It wasn't Jack Hinkle. It wasn't me. And I wish I like someone would have like sat down with me and said, "Here's here are your strengths." Like someone that knew me, it's like, "Here's what you're good at. Here's what you're not good at. Here's how your personality likes to show. Use this." And what a valuable thing that we could give to our kids. Mm -hmm. We could give people around us to say, "You got to be you, because you are good. You are great." But maybe it's just as well somebody didn't tell you that. Because then you learned it yourself, and you observed it, and you experienced it, and it wasn't like false hope. It was like you've come to 
Now that is a little bit of self-awareness involved in that and like reflecting what's gone well and not gone well. But you kind of got to say, yeah, I, I am pretty good at that. Or I need to work on that better. I need to work on that more to make that a better skill for myself. And it's okay that if you and I are given the same problem, same situation, that you take the high road and I take a left road. You know, like it's fine because it, we're going to get to the both result right. we want. But I don't have to do things the same way as you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do them the same as me. And I think that's a difficult skill to teach at a college music education or a college education anything. And my gosh, I'm thinking of like, you know, the corporate world or I'm, you know, just the, the everyday workers that are given problems they have to solve all the time. And how, how they choose to do that by maybe they're just trying to figure it out or they've always seen it the way it was done before and they're trying to follow the same footsteps. And, you know, we were, we're given practice sessions and labs on how to do that, but people in management just kind of have to figure it out, so to speak. Yeah. But what a gift to kind of be able to practice that, but also to practice it being you. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, because when you're, when you're not yourself, you tend to think th- the struggle comes in that not only are you not yourself, you're trying to think of the words and the actions that another person would do. It's not authentic. It, and, it's, and it's painful and it's slow. And then, yeah, it's not authentic. And then you can't really back it up because it's not you. Here's one that makes me think of that. Okay. I've told you this one before. This was the time I... Uh, <laughs> got into an altercation with a student really oh, yeah. the, the student chose to chose to get in an altercation with okay me. okay but this was um you guessed it rock history class rock mm-hmm. and roll history class and it was taught in the band room so you had to set up chairs every day and tear down chairs every day because this was during marching band season at that school so and these are non-band kids and it was just kind of the thing you they got their chairs out they put them where they go and then at the end of the day get them out two minutes early so they can put the chairs back this dude did not want to put his chair away that day. Put his AirPods in. No, they didn't have, a hair, didn't have AirPods back then. Actually, it was just headphones. Put his headphones in and wouldn't face me. So I could not talk to him. <laughs> Clearly, he knew I was, but he kept turning around and just acting like he couldn't hear me because he had headphones in. So I'm like looking at my um, student teacher manual, section A, column B. Headphones. Headphones. Doesn't look. What do next? And I picked the wrong answer of going after him i got (laughs) which is like this is just not me at this point in my life in my teaching career this is not me but this is who mr hinkle was his first year of mr hinkle i go up to the kid i put my finger in his face i'm like you get that and he kept turning and i'm like what's (laughs) good okay back to the manual okay okay page 24 okay so i'm like this isn't working so after i did that i finally gently touched his shoulder and this dude who was bigger than me turned around and shoved me to the ground (laughs) he's down hinkle goes down oh man so fascinatingly i got up in this kid's grill and what does he do he gets me out of his grill gee shocker how could i have seen that coming because I thought that's what you do. I thought you got to lay down the law. you got to be bigger than they They are, so they'll knock it off. They knocked me off. Wow, so how did that play out? Um, I was on the ground. I got up eventually. And you're like, <clears throat> <laughs> and I'm guessing that wasn't the kid that wrote you the nice little note. No, this was the kid that, no, he yeah. did not enjoy my presence. Um, so he... I think we got the chair put away. I'm sure I did it. I'm sure he didn't. <laughs> My cooperating teacher was really kind to me about it the next day. He was like, wow, you just, that was real. And I was like, yeah. And that, that's when I went to administration and I just had to, I mean, this kid had to get out of the class because, he, you know, he's like assaulting a teacher at that point, even though I did not handle it well. And, and they asked me, like, kind of what happened. And, and all they told me was, uh, yeah, you shouldn't have touched him. I did not have the best kids. <laughs> I would not. Have, but looking back on that now, it's like it's truly laughable because, of course, like I escalated it. I escalated. You don't do that. You don't let them win. Because, dude, that, that kid won. That kid won. Yeah, if you engage 
I don't know if this would be kids or anybody. If you engage in a power struggle with somebody, the only way to go is up. (laughs) It's not a really clear way to win that. No. 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 So to... What I should have done was... (laughs) I mean... I probably would have met him at the door. Because there's one exit, right? Met him at the door. Lay yourself across the door jam. Yeah, and I would have said, like, hey, like, you know, do the little motion, which kids hate, you know, when you point the ears, take out your headphones or whatever and talk to them. It's like, man, you really don't want to put that chair away today. And just start there. Till you had a bad day. Right, but but you got to, I mean, show them some love, right? Like, just acknowledge, man, you don't want to put away that chair today. What's going on? At least start there. Start somewhere else, but not so combative. So, um, o for two uh, here with um, student teacher Jack. But I was not. A, I was not a good teacher. Didn't want one. So therefore, I got a free kick. On a happier note, let's take it back to one of our guests from previous weeks, Ken Snook. Ken Snook. He has a quote. This is very music centric. Mm-hmm. But his quote is, a good performance is the direct result of students' hard work. A bad performance is the lack of preparation by the director. Yeah. We've said that one before on this podcast. We I have? remember, yeah. Hmm. I believe so, because I think I dropped my head when you said it. Oh, yeah. It's still true. Well, three weeks later. Dang it. It's still. But that all, it's the same idea. Best teachers, best kids. But it's really putting the focus on the kids, which is where the focus needs to be when things are positive. When when the students can perform well, you have given them the opportunity to be successful. And they have a clear space where they can maneuver and achieve and be successful but you've allowed that space to be there and so but it's them that the table is set and then they can be at the table and then they can be successful so they are the ones that ultimately did the climbing and the achieving and then if they don't achieve you have not set the table correctly we love quadrants on this podcast that would be I, you were thinking that too I, I was just going or just the last thing I was thinking lucky like if you, if you, if you um, happen to be, let's see, if you're, if you're not, um, you could be successful with your ensemble, your team, but it could be lucky, right? It just happened that the kids learned the material, and they happened to become good at it, maybe because the talent goal was high or the music was easy. And they happened to do really well on it. But it wasn't because of the schedule and the, the table that you set before them. You didn't necessarily cause that opportunity for excellence. You just happened to be on the receiving end of being lucky. Right? And I doubt that happens. I doubt there's much luck that, that that's good. That that is that good that it could they could pull it off. And I it may happen, but it's not sustainable. No. You could just be like you know, whoop, all of a sudden, um, you walk into a situation where students do that. But, um, um, so I, I think of, I go back to an earlier time in my career when I taught in Kentucky and I taught for four years down there and the, the, the band program had, I referred to this in the early episodes, but the band program had very few kids, grade six to 12 very few and I was the only director for that entire area and the marching band was a whopping 20 children right and similar to you talking about your early years persona about who you were I was in my mind about who I should be and what the band should be not where it was but where it should be and I showed up there in this small southern southeastern Kentucky town 
very rural and they showed up and they just walked in like ramming and jamming um, just interested in moving the kids to get better that's what I was interested in and it didn't um, go real well I was not having a good time I was not nice to the kids I wasn't mean but I did not establish a, a positive rapport with them. My expectations were, why aren't you doing this? And I thought I just, if I was more demanding, then it would get better. I also taught, this is a good one, I don't know if I've told you this, but that first year I taught in a music appreciation class. And then the year before I was there, the teacher that was there used it and he just like showed movies. So it was kind of a wink and a nod. He was teaching music appreciation. And so when I got it, I was like, where's the textbook? And I <laughs> it ended up being music depreciation. Oh, I, you have told me about this. Yeah. Yeah, and I like, started yeah. with, I think I had 30 kids in there. At semester, all but three dropped all but three because I was like getting my college music theory music history appreciation of music like get my college professorship on I was teaching it to them the way I was taught in college yeah. and I was writing out my notes on the board and my outline oh you were ramming and jamming jamming and these kids knew nothing they knew nothing because I taught them nothing <laughs> they knew nothing and that, no kidding, there were 30 people, and then it, it was down to three. They all dropped. And I'm sure most of them failed. I'm not even sure if the school gave them an F because they probably just felt sorry for the kids. But it was bad. It was really bad. So that was an example. But then with the band, being there for four years, for two years, I just had like a real stern face and like a strict outlook on the band. Like, this is the way we're going to do it. And if somebody said why, and I'd say, because that's the way I learned to do it. And if anybody knows Steve Peterson, or if you've been listening for all of these episodes, you probably know Steve well enough to know, that's not Steve. That's not me. That, that was not working. I was not a happy guy. I was not funny guy. I was mad guy. I was serious guy. I was doing a lot of parent conference. I was doing a lot of talking with parents because parents were mad. Um, people were mad at me. And the the band didn't get any bigger. Now, the younger grades did. I probably had an easier time with the younger grades because they were 12 years old and I could kind of, they were my kids. Yeah. And right, I had started something with them. But I can remember the turning moment on um, what happened is that... Um, we were at a like a some kind of pep rally and we we played a couple tunes or whatever it might have been a christmas convo i don't know but something happened that when the when we dismissed and the student body was going the, their way like a few kids in the drum quote drum line i'm talking like four kids started like playing some rock and roll beat without my permission but then as they started playing the rock and roll beat, other kids from the student body came up and said, I want to play. And I wasn't going to shut it down. And I was just kind of watching that kids were like attracted and they were teaching each other how to play like the street beat or something. And then all of a sudden there were like more kids. It wasn't like the whole student body, but there was definitely like a little something going on. I was like, what's that kid's name? Oh yeah. And then I was thinking, She's not a very good percussionist, but she was just having a blast playing rock and roll and showing it to her friends. And I was like, huh. So it kind of made me think about doing things different. And then the third and fourth year, what happened is kids that had dropped out started coming back. And the kids that were in the band, kind of like what Ken was talking about, yeah. just like, okay, it's over. <laughs> the oppression is over like but and then people started bringing their their friends back and we got some more kids in the band but it was more just like the kids want to have fun like they want to not just be knuckleheads but they just 
they want to have fun playing music. And it's not like I was like Mr. Pep Band the rest of my time and just playing rock and roll tunes, but it did help me see things for the students, like, why are they doing this? Right? And not seeing the girl that was having such a hard time with percussion, not being so down on her, but being up on her because she was enjoying that and kind of bringing other kids along. What a piece of humble pie, too, right? Oh, totally. I mean, totally smacked me. But that, as you said, was a turning point in your career. And is it was it at that point that, like, Steve, like, Steve yeah, came back? I, I kind of came back. And then, ironically, the next year in our building as a band was a lot better. But then also I started thinking about doing things that were unique for that area and unique for us like I chose to go to more parades like not many band directors would say that like up here like because it was like low hanging fruit you right. could play Louie Louie in a t-shirt that the kids designed yeah. in some black shorts and we could go march for the governor at some springtime blossom parade and shake hands with the governor and they thought that was cool you know, and that didn't cost anything. In fact, we made money out of it. So it was like, it was kind of like imagining, seeing the kids where they were and then allowing them to become valued students and allowing them to become the best kids in the school. Sure. Right? And, and disclaimer, in case it's not clear, we don't believe in bad kids. We do not believe that no, not bad you kids. can label a kid as bad. No. You can kids can have bad days. Kids right. can make bad choices. But you know, as we were talking in our, our weeds episode, your um, I think the weed is defined as somewhere a, a plant that grows somewhere you don't want it to. Yeah. Everyone's a plant. Some but yes. the choice is in and out, right? Right. So we're not saying that the kids are bad. No. And if we, we said bad kids, we're using air quotes, it's because we're bad teachers. It's, right. it's we're not setting things up correctly. We're not setting things up correctly. Right. So allowing those kids in my mind that I thought weren't good kids stayed around, and then they became good kids. They were the same kid. My perspective changed, and my, my maturity changed. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. change. It also, oh, there was another one that you made me think of. Um, kids don't care what you know, so they know that you care. Yeah. People don't um, care what you know, they yeah. know that you care. Yeah. We're making millions on those quotes, man. They're I real. Know. I just said that the other day in the car. Yeah, I just said that the other day to my wife. That's real. That's real. But once you have that outlook, every kid's a good kid. Yep. And I think that's our, our mission is to believe that every kid's a good kid that was one of our projects in the last couple of years like as, as we were thinking of um, like some assumptions we need to have as teachers and that's that's one of them every kid wants to do well mm -hmm. every kid wants to succeed right. and the fact that they're even showing up is evidence of that right yeah I, I was thinking of the quadrants too is like good teacher having good kids, bad teacher having good kids, good teacher having bad kids, bad teacher having bad kids. Mm -hmm. You'll see a lot of good teachers with good kids. You'll see a lot of what? A lot of good teachers with good kids. A lot of good teachers with good kids. You'll even see bad teachers with good kids, right? You'll never see a good teacher with bad kids. Yeah. You know, that's a great thing to keep in mind. It really is. It is about the perspective. It makes me think of that um, Dr. Timism that you did the other day about perspective, and you do the lasso above your head, yeah. and then you move the lasso down, so you're looking at it, and it looks like it's changing directions, but it's like your perspective. Right. And it's true. It's true, and I think that's what we need to do to students is allow them, um, allow ourselves to change perspective to allow to see the goodness in them. And use, not use them, allow them to 
put that goodness to the fore in how they act and yeah. have the individual personalities right. create the the sum of the classroom, right? Change and your relationship with them so you are seeking the good and you are finding the good and maybe you had a hard time finding the good or believing it, but expecting that you're going to find the good and then using that over and over. Yeah. And that's why we come back to every kid every day. Right. Is because that's the, the fuel right. for that because you can't know who kids are until you see what they have to offer. And they, you can't, you can't have that. It won't be there unless you as the teacher, the leader of the group, put in that time and that work. Yeah. And really, it's not that much work. It's, that's probably yeah. one of the more fun parts of the job. And part two of this podcast would be, how do you, how do you um, use that mindset as an adult, working, living, sharing with other adults? You use a phrase often, don't pull out the nuclear warhead when you need a, a water gun. <laughs> it's true. I think that's good teacher, best kids. Yeah. I think that fits in right there. Right. You want to give us a little descriptor of that one? About the nuclear warhead? Yeah. Um, um, nuclear warhead, water gun. Hey, Jack, welcome to Jazz Band. Hey, Steve. Good to have you. Thank you. Okay, um, we're going to do a pencil check. Everybody get it? Okay, Johnny, you have your pencil? Ethan, you got it? Jack, you got a pencil? Um, I think it's in my Hey, Jack, locker. you know what? If you want to be here, this is like, you chose to be here, and you don't have a pencil. What's going on? You know, it's like, try it again, Jack. you have a pencil? Uh, no, I don't. Um, well, if you have one in your backpack, could you get it? If not, I have extra one here in my folder. Okay. Just use this pencil or give it to somebody that needs it. So if we if we um, respond to behaviors that we don't like, um, it doesn't have to it doesn't have to be a negative stress it doesn't have to be a stressful situation to correct behavior. Because honestly, at that point, if you pull out the the heavy artillery, it's so stressful for the, everyone else around the that, kid. Oh gosh! I mean, you can think of moments as a teacher or as a student, and I can think of moments as a student that some other kids getting like nailed by the teacher and you're just like, your stomach gets all, and you're just oh, like, you're oh doing God, the please, Homer Simpson please make this stop. You just, yeah. You're just going back into the bush. You just like, you, and you don't want to look and you can't make eye contact. And we have that choice to um, not escalate and not to judge Jack's character about not bringing a pencil. I think that's where the chess game comes in. Boy, we're getting off track here, but it's just like you you can go back, circle around to Jack afterwards yeah, with the pencil. Right. right. And, and, and approach Private that nudge. Don't right, don't right. private don't public nudge. Yeah. Um, I think that's on track though. I think that's like I mean, we gotta we're thinking of ways to have the best kids. And that's and one way that you do it. That's one way that you can you don't get there. annihilate a kid for no, something like that. No, 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 no. No. No, because it's going to happen. You know it's kids are going to forget pencils. Kids aren't going to have their iPads charged. Kids are going to be late to stuff. Like, it's going to happen. Yeah. And maybe you need the heavy artillery someday, but, like, 9 out of 10, squirt gun. Yes. Right. Just a little reminder, and it's like, in 10 minutes, you know you're going to wake up. Right. It's, just, it's, not, it's not anything big. Um, but then, yeah, then it doesn't, then you don't, like, um, overshadow a kid with, like, you're a bad kid. You're just a mess up. What's your problem? You know, you, you don't need to give them that that bad attention. No. Just move on. Because once you tell it, once you get a kid thinking they're a bad kid, boy, do they think they're a bad kid. Oh, and they'll live up to that. They will. They will live up to that. That's another. That's another one. Is that they? We will always. Uh, our kids will always achieve the expectations you set for them. Yes. But that was like a double-edged sword, like on the negative side. Like if you if you set your expectations low, kids will find them. And if you yeah. set them like negative, like they're a bad, I'm expecting you to be bad. Kids will find that, right? And that's all. You, on us. you know, you know what's funny is that like if you, I don't know if you've ever had. I think then we have to go soon because we have to go eat. Probably. You got to eat some food before we okay. go. Okay, yeah. so but maybe you've had this experience before. I you probably have after class, and if something happened like during a class, and you said I need to talk to so and so, like in your mind, right? Yes. And about something that has happened in class. And I'm not going to say what, 
because then you say after class as the bell rings or as the kids are packing up hey Jeff um, will you pack up can you come talk to me and you want to say gosh I was Jack I was so impressed with you today the way that you were playing your solo the confidence that you used I thought your rhythm was wonderful and just appreciated how you stepped into the group being a leader but before that even gets out of your mouth the kids are like the kids say they'll sometimes even apologize yes or they'll say when you start giving them a compliment they go oh I thought you were gonna yell at me that happens so often and doesn't that make you feel horrible like how many times are you getting wailed on by me or other teachers that when someone pulls you aside your first assumption is what did I do wrong instead of you were a rock star today and then you tell them what they did and you're like wow you sounded really good here like that was like really yeah. well done oh I fracked the second note that yeah and you just want to go. <laughs> you, say, you say, Jack, to say thank you. But it's the same thing. It's like, you know, you and I were talking before we pressed record that we have a hard time feeling good about certain things in our lives. And we, we, need, we need to empower kids more that they can feel good and that they are the best kids. Even when they don't feel like it, every kid's the best kid. They can be. But, well, they are. They are. They, they are. They and, not and can if, be. And if they're not, but I was going to say, they, they can feel that. Yes. And we, we can help them allow to feel that. So we're, we're talking about student um, mindset and believing that they're, quote, good kids. Because they're all good kids. Every kid's, a, every kid's a good kid. Every kid's a good kid. Every good kid, every day. Every good, every good kid. E-G-K-E-D. <laughs> it's good. All well, right. um, we're still trucking along here on Spotify and on Apple Podcast and we would love it for you to follow and give us a review also share with somebody if you listen to something even if it was a five minute clip and you have somebody that you think would enjoy it send them a link send them a, a, a share on um, we have chops underscore podcast on TikTok and on Instagram and then Chops Podcast on the Spotify and Apple um, podcast. So that that's helpful, kind of getting that out there. Share, share, share. I, I've shared some, shamelessly, I've shared <laughs> the podcast with some friends that I thought for particular reasons would in, enjoy hearing it. And they're like, that was cool, thanks. You they know. said that? Yeah. <gasps> that's so nice. That's very cool. That's cool. So Steve's friends are in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, get those get those reels out there. We're putting out a story. I put out a poll today on Instagram. Did you I see voted. That? You voted? Yeah. What'd you vote? Uh, cruise ship. I vote speedboat. Switch we did. It up. At Switch the time, it, it said 50 50. <laughs> so we were the only ones. <laughs> hey, they get, kids got on there. They're voting. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Um, keep keep listening. Follow us on Apple for sure, for sure. And thank you guys for being so fun on Instagram and supportive yeah. and TikTok. So on that note, I got to eat a burrito bowl. I have a burrito bowl too. Burrito bowl twins. Whoop. It's all about the cilantro. Okay, we'll see you next week. This is Jack Hinkle and Steve Peterson. See ya. See ya.